You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. How the heck are you guys this week? Right? Right? Spring is sprung. We're here. The weather's getting better. If you're in the south, there's significantly less pollen happening here. My car doesn't look anymore like a yellow post-it note. So yes, I wanted to begin our hour with a with a quote from one of our church fathers. Really, really about the worth of prophets and prophecy. And and this is most certainly here to uh, to educate and probably offend a few too. So it goes like this. Prophecy is like a half-trained mule. It looks as though it might be useful, but the moment you trust in it, it kicks you in the head. That's right. Right. Who, who, who said this, you may ask? D, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer? No, no, close, close, close. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, was it for, uh, Francis of Assisi? Nope, nope, nope. Not that one either. Not, not St. Francis. No, no, no. Henry Nouwen? Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh, no, no, it's, it's from the words of, uh, <laughs> this is our Game of Thrones shout-out of the day, from Tyrion Lannister, from Tyrion Lannister. Yes, the prophecy is like a half-trained mule. It looks as though it might be useful, but the moment you trust in it, it kicks you in the head. So welcome again this week to Snarky Faith. I'm beginning by talking about crackpot, crack, uh, <laughs> crackpot prophets, crackpot prophets. It's, it's like, say that, say that five times fast, crackpot prophets. Okay, crackpot prophets. Okay, <laughs> maybe I should have worked that out ahead of time in the show. But I want to start, yes, by 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 what we do here every week at Snarky Faith. And, and, and actually, you know, I don't even know if I officially welcomed you to the show. So welcome to the show. If you're new to the show, the show is called Snarky Faith. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney, and we do snarky things with faith. It, the title alone should have informed you everything, but I didn't want to embarrass you in front of everybody for having to you know, mansplain it to you, but yes, snarky faith, it's snarky, and we talk about faith here. So, uh, as we begin, as we begin our show, I wanted to go ahead and throw out our little bit, our little bit of Christian Crazy of the Week. We're, we're going to have a snippet of it, because we're going to be talking about sex with robots and the Southern Baptist Convention. That enough of a teaser? That enough of a teaser? That's all you're going to get. That's a teaser there. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and hop in and talk about Crazy Prophets. Talk about Crazy Prophets here on our opening segment of the Christian Crazy of the Week. Here we go. Claude Hammers, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. So, first up, we got here. <laughs> He's new. He's new, so go easy on him, folks. <laughs> I wasn't aware of him until recently. Thank you, Right Wing Watch, for uh, writing about this guy. His name is Dave Hayes. He is a Christian author. Dave Hayes is a Christian author, right? He's a Christian author and online activist and a prophet. That's right. 
He's known as the praying medic. And I did a lot of ands in a row here. But on top of all of this, he's also a prophet that speaks the word of God to QAnon, right? Q, QAnon, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about. It's the mysterious person that is behind a lot of right-wing conspiracies that is the, the voice of reason within the government, the one that is trying to take down the deep state. So now we have crazy uh, political conspiracies met with crazy Christian prophetic conspiracies. Oh, so Dave, tell us, tell us about what you're doing, about the good work you're doing, brother. Sometimes I will post things on Twitter and it is cryptic. And you don't understand it. And you, if you don't understand the stuff that I post on Twitter, that's fine. It's not for you. Or maybe it is for you and you're just not, you know, connecting to the message. Sometimes I put out cryptic weird messages. That's just kind of how prophetic people are. No, I really just think that's how cryptic weird people are. But go ahead and continue. God gives you a message. You deliver the message. It's up to the receiver to understand it. You're just the messenger. All right. My job is not always to explain the message. My job is to give the message and somebody else is going to have to figure out what it means. So uh, sometimes I get messages for Q and his team. God shows me, hey, this is what Q is doing. This is where it's going. This is where what's happening you know, down the road. And I will post things on Twitter and those messages are for Q. And Q doesn't have to respond to me. When you're, when you're the mailman, do you deliver a letter to somebody and then stick around and wait for them to read it and then ask them questions about the, the letter that they just got? I mean, I know that's a rhetorical question, but that's kind of what a psychopath would do. So listening to you, Dave, <laughs> I don't know what's out of bounds. You are the mailman. No, the mailman delivers the message and then goes on and delivers the next message and goes on and delivers the next message. You're a mailman, you just deliver the message. It's up to the individual to read the message and figure out what it means. And I will say this, delivering messages uh, for the God of the universe, there isn't a job that is much cooler than that. I, I love it. Oh, Dave, just living the dream. Every day living the dream. Coolest job, God's mailman. Oh, the pot doesn't get more cracked than that one, man. Crackpot! So speaking of crackpots, let's go ahead and talk uh, about false prophets and folks that really stepped into it this week. So uh, this is actually not this week. It was like last week, but this is Franklin Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of one of our little hate crushes here on the show. Um, had really decided to go ahead and attack Mayor Pete Buttigieg. And he said this on Twitter. Uh, Mayor Buttigieg says he's a gay Christian, and as a Christian, I believe the Bible, which defines homosexuality as a sin, something to be repentant of, not something to be flaunted or praised or politicized, the Bible says is between a man and a woman, not two men, not two women. The core of Christian faith is believed to is believed in following uh, Jesus Christ, who sent uh, who God sent to be a savior of the world, to save us from sin, to save us from hell, to save us from eternal damnation. To save us from Twitter? No, not really. No, but Graham has has come under under fire also because he's actually quoting a verse that ends up saying that uh, when men lie with men, they should be what is it? Uh, praise? They should run for president? No, they should be stoned. Oh, 
intolerance, Franklin Graham? What are you talking about, people? He's 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 exactly what you think he is. He's that 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 horrible. And instead of me just kind of riffing on how horrible he is, I'm gonna go ahead and let uh, the Reverend Reverend Barber, Reverend Barber, give us some wise words about Franklin Graham here. So we're we went from the Christian crazy of Franklin Graham to kind of some Christian sensibility here with Reverend Barber. So let's go ahead and listen to Reverend Barber. Well, what you see is the religion of Franklin Graham, not the religion of Jesus. And he and many others try to perpetrate that as such. Jesus is very clear about what sin is. Sin is refusing to love people. It is refusing to show grace. Uh, Sin is refusing to address the issue of poverty. Sin is refusing to deal with injustice. Sin is refusing to welcome the stranger and to feed the hungry and to care for the least of these. And what always amazes me about these who he no claimed the Bible said, he never said Jesus said, that's, that's important to recognize. But Graham says so much, he and others, about what Jesus says almost nothing about and so little about what Jesus says everything about. There are more than 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that say that what God calls us to be about in the public square is to how we care for the children, the widow, the strange, the immigrant, and the poor, and you hardly ever hear him say anything about that. And yet he tried to present himself as being authentic Christianity, when in fact what you see from past comments and whatnot is a form of hypocrisy. And it is an absolute form of hypocrisy because we begin to see this, especially a person that that runs a supposed humanitarian organization, a supposed nonprofit, Franklin Graham, calling out people, calling <sighs> calling out people that are, in the name of Jesus, actually trying to do good, trying to walk out their faith. Uh, all the while where we see folks like Franklin Graham continue to justify a a president that looks nothing like Jesus. That 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 a president whose policies are nothing like Christ. A president whose life looks nothing like Jesus. Um, yeah, and, and we continue to see conservative evangelicals surround, surround the president and continue to make excuses for his 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 behavior um, and and in the ways that he has also used our government as, as a weapon against the least of these in our culture. We continue to see this happen. And, and when we see conservative evangelicals continue to surround him, continue to praise the president, continue to lift up the president, continue to defend the president, it, it becomes something that is very sick. It becomes something that is very sick and looks little like Jesus. And, and I appreciated uh, the Reverend Dr. Barber really speaking truth into that situation. I, 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 it's easy for me to say something. It's also nice to hear somebody else kind of uh, echo sentiments and, and really speak in a deep level towards that. And so, so this show, this hour, this day, uh, we started talking about crazy prophets. Then, then, then we kind of dipped our toes in to begin to talk about uh, also other crazy conservative voices within Christianity. And so that leads us to talk about something that has happened, especially within conservative uh, Christianity in the past couple of weeks. This is like, this is pre-Easter happenings. It was like the Easter bunny just came early. And all of that, all of that brings us 
to a good lord. I don't even know what I'm going to call this. Um, it's an ethical piece of writing, or mainly it's just a statement. So, do you remember? And you may have not know uh, remember this. We did a show on this a while back. On the it was known as like the Nashville Statement or our show labeled it the Nashville Hatement, which was a evangelical Christian statement of faith relating to human sexuality and gender roles. Okay, so uh, you kind of can, can kind of figure out where that was going. Um, they wanted to really be able to establish what is biblical manhood and biblical womanhood and really, really, please, please, please stop talking about my manhood or your womanhood or whoever's hood. I, I don't even know. So yeah, it was a very intolerant and bigoted statement thrown out by the, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention who also does hateful, bigoted, and misogynistic like no one's business. So from the creators of that hateful piece of loving comes the new one. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Now, this is a statement that came from the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and they are speaking about emergent technology, uh, the emergent technology of artificial intelligence. This is known as the Artificial Intelligence and Evangelical Statement of Principles. Ooh, ooh, evangelicals, conservative evangelicals telling us what God thinks about AI because it should totally line up with scripture that was written at soonest. 2,000-ish years ago? Hmm. Not really sure how we're going to be able to twist the Bible and do a bunch of <laughs> mental gymnastics in order to accomplish this thing. But guess what? That didn't stop them. You know, you know, you know they would commit to this. So here's what we're going to do. For our main story, I really actually want to go through a lot of this. So I sat down and took some extensive-ish notes. Um, and we're gonna go ahead, man, we are gonna rock down their entire, their entire statement of principles. Now, if you are wanting to be able to find this, you can find it on their website. You need to look erlc.com. Um, you can sift around in there because I really don't wanna read the entire URL of that. But, but, yes. So evangelicals have signed a statement about what God says about artificial intelligence. You got it? You got it? So, you know, th this, th what could go wrong? What, what could go wrong with this? They're, they're, they're being so forward-thinking here right now, not that we don't have other issues that are pressuring us uh, in the current <laughs> political climate that we're in uh, within America and where the church is and where the church has gotten itself invested in and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You don't, you don't want to even hear me talk about that. You want to hear me go through this. Yes, 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 you do. We're going to go article by article through this. And don't worry, as much as that sounds like as much fun as listening to a sermon uh, in a Southern Baptist church, we're going to make it at least 10% more fun. And, I mean, if anything, I'm not going to pass an offering plate while we're doing this. So, and I'm not going to guilt you. And I'll probably throw in a bunch of really bad puns and jokes in the midst of it. So, we're going to make this fun. So it begins, it begins, it begins. I'm not going to read this word for word, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pull out the highlights as we move through it. And, and as any, you know, as any good document comes, there's a preamble. We, we begin with the preamble 
going to quote from their document here. As followers of Christ, we are called to engage the world around us with the unchanging gospel message of hope and reconciliation. Good start, hope and reconciliation. That kind of sounds like good stuff, except for that's oftentimes coded language. Because if you want hope, if you want to be reconciled to God, stop being a damn dirty sinner. That's kind of what it means to be more like us. Okay, sorry. I'll try to keep my sides to a minimum. Okay, so at least it, it at least has the air of beginning on unhopeful grounds. Uh, they continue saying tools like technology are able to add or to sorry <laughs> to aid us in this pursuit. We know they can also be designed and used in ways to dishonor God and devalue our fellow image bearers. Oh, sweet Jesus! Technology can be used in a way that devalues people. That isn't in the message and the, the, the essence of an all-loving God. Okay, fine. Yes. Um, so, I, 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 so we start hopeful, but then again, they're, they're cautioning us because, remember, you know, technology very quickly goes to no-no, bad, bad areas, right? When we talked about earlier the Nashville statement, uh, all about knowing your manhood and womanhood, this is kind of like one of those hoods that you're really supposed to just keep, you know, keep. Uh, covered, right? You have to make sure your skirts do not come too high above the knee. We want to keep all of this technology away from things. I'm going to get more to sex with robots later, but you're kind of seeing where this is going. Um, and so then they warn us in their uh, preamble, uh, Christians must not fear the future or any technological development because we know that God is above all sovereign over history, Right? And, and then ultimately they say towards the end of uh, their preamble, we desire to equip the church to proactively engage in the field of AI. They're trying to equip stuff. So, so first of all, first of all, first of all, Southern, Southern Baptists and other conservative evangelicals. I just, I like how like we're, we're, we're investing time and there's, there's actually many major leaders that have signed onto this, signed onto this. Um, and, and when we're talking about this being something that's very important for moving towards the future and towards uh, history and faith and everything else like this, like that, you know, oh, we really need to be afraid of AI. Um, my biggest question is, oh, oh anything, anything about uh, hmm, climate change and anything about that? Like, like, why, like, why aren't we spearheading this? Oh, really? Oh, hold on. Pause, Stuart. We'll get to that a little bit later about why they're avoiding that, why they're avoiding that. Okay. So we're going to go article by article. So they begin with their article one, because again, they've, they've got to educate us. This is, you know, in essence, a, a very, in all honesty, it's kind of a lazily put together. It's a lazily put together Sunday school lesson that we have going on here. It, it simply put, what ends up happening um, in, in, in situations like this, and it, it ends up kind of resulting in this ri ridiculous um, kind of ethical and spiritual gymnastics that, that begins with, like, what you do is you begin with an idea. You begin with an idea that already gels with what you believe, right? So you begin with this, like, this precept, this idea that you're going with, um, and you already know what you want to say. And then you go through scripture and handpick scripture. You kind of just pull out little nuggets here and there and use scripture to cobble it together to then justify your worldview. 
which is really a really bad way to put together an argument, but Christians have been doing that forever, man. That's kind of their wheelhouse. And the real way to be able to do this would be to be able to look at something and figure out how, like, like what is the heart of Scripture and how is it informing us in order to be humans and how, how can we be better humans? And if we are being better humans and more compassionate humans and, and humans that are tending to what we have and tending to the earth and tending to our neighbor and, and really trying to push across the compassion and love and peace and equity, if we're doing that, if we're doing that, then, then like statements like this aren't really that necessary. You know what I mean? Like, like, like if, if we've cultivated the kind of a right heart and a right mind towards how we deal with, with, with people, the people that are like us and the people that aren't like us, but if we're so like, you know, just reaching and, and interacting with people in, in a generally loving manner, then the kind of the ethics that we're having for even things like AI will be quite similar. But that's not the case of where we're at right now. We, we live in a very capitalistic, materialistic society that by and large is uh, the churches really fit well into that. Uh, conservative churches fit really well into that kind of the business model of church. And, and again, with statements like this, these are more meant to just say like, oh, look at what we've done here. Not really, not really what the true ethics of this are supposed to be. Now, okay, let's just go ahead and begin here. So they begin with Article 1, uh, being able to talk about the image of God. They go through talking about how humanity, you know, taking a very Genesis model of this, how humanity is created in the image of God, uh, that we should have worth, we should have dignity, um, and, and that we are, we are important when it comes into uh, God's creation of the earth. And again, if we believe in this, I don't know why <laughs> conservatives have such a hard time treating other people with kindness and compassion and with dignity because aren't we all in the image of God? Okay, so here's where, the, here, here's, here's where they get into this. Here, here's where they, they, they start digging down into, into the issues of tech. So uh, in their first article, they, they say this. We deny that any part of creation, including any form of technology, should ever be used to usurp or subvert the dominion and stewardship, which has been entrusted solely to humans, humanity by God. Nor should technology be assigned at a level of human identity, worth, dignity, or moral agency. What does that mean? Many of you may say, I don't have any clue what that means. No. Essentially what they're saying here is we've watched the Terminator movies and, you know, Skynet and them Terminators. Yeah, those are bad. So for the robot overlords that are, that are seeking to take us over in the future, I'm going to go ahead and just like, I'm gonna, remember, we talked earlier a little about prophecy. So I'm going to throw this back in here. So, yeah, hey, this is prophetically speaking towards the future here that, hey, robots, Jesus doesn't love you. Um, sorry, that Jesus really, really doesn't love you. Uh, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they've got a bunch of random scriptures to back that. Scriptures that actually really have nothing to do with what they're talking about, aside from the fact that God created humans and that, yeah. But I do enjoy this, the fact that they're worried, they're very, very worried that technology, that technology should never be assigned uh, to a level of human identity, worth, or dignity. But when we talk about conservatives, they have a hard time with humans giving other humans identity, worth, 
dignity, moral agency. I mean, so again, I guess if we're already hating on robots, I mean, I guess conservatives have done a good job of hating on what they would say is the other in society, those that aren't like them. So we've already refined our hate very well here. So let's just go ahead and boop, apply that to robots too. Let's go ahead and hate and shame them all day long. I mean, seriously, uh, I mean, if we're going to get to that stage, I mean, is, is emptying your trash can that's on your desktop, is that, is that akin to uh, abortion? This is terrifying. Oh, my God. They are right. No, they're not. Um, so <laughs> that's Article 1. We're only into Article 1. And how many, Stuart, how many are you going to be dribbling on about? Well, we've got 11, but we're going to rip through some of these a lot faster. But as you can tell, this is plenty of fun. This is plenty of fun. So let's just go ahead and dig deeper. Article 2, AI as technology, right? So how is the Bible going to inform us about AI as technology? So here we go. <laughs> so this, one, this one's just playing fun with AI as technology. Uh, they, they say this. When AI is employed in accordance to God's moral will, it is an example of man's obedience to the divine command to steward creation and honor him. <laughs> what, the hell does, what the hell does that even mean? I mean, I understand the words that are put together and the context of what they're trying to say, but, you know, uh, I can't wait till we make, like, what is this, like an AI Kirk, Kirk Cameron? Uh, yeah, an AI Franklin Graham. What are we gonna do? Like, I don't know. As long as it's, as long as the AI, it, it's, I all this has to do with control. Like, I just love like the control structure within these folks. That oh my gosh, it has to be in in accordance to to God's moral will and an example of man's obedience to divine command. Oh my, I don't even know what that means. That's just. I mean, I, I like the, these are I, I can I can see scientists and folks in like Silicon Valley like like pouring through these and be like, oh, hey, hey wait, Barry, Barry, stop, 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 Barry, stop, stop. Is we must ask ourselves before doing this, you know, is is this AI in accordance to God's moral will? Is it? Is it really? I think we should stop. Let's shut this down. Shut it down now. <laughs> they continue. Um, it is not worthy of man's hope, worship, or love. No, it's not. Since the Lord Jesus uh, alone can atone for sin and reconcile humanity to its creator, technology such as AI cannot fulfill humanity's ultimate needs. Oh, AI, I want you to fulfill my ultimate needs, but now I just totally got spiritually cock-blocked here because according to these guys, it, it, AI cannot, it cannot fulfill humanity's ultimate needs. But again, I've teased this earlier. Don't worry. They're going to get to sex. They're going to get to sex. Ah, okay. Article three, relationship to AI and humanity. Oh, can't we coexist? Can't we all just get along? While uh, they say this, while AI excels in the database computation, technology is incapable of possessing the capacity for moral agency or responsibility. Oh, oh, oh. Now, conservatives, while you're trashing AI, saying that AI does not have the capacity for moral agency and or responsibility, I'm also just going to say is, really, guys? Like, like, have you displayed moral agency and responsibility for your actions? Like, really? Like, really? We do the Christian crazy every week. Like, is there, 
Are you guys really taking responsibility for the crazy stuff you say, the actions you do, how you horribly shame people? Are you really kind of taking responsibility of that? Well, if you're not, I mean, I don't know why you're holding AI to higher accountability than you are. I mean... Really? Like, that's like a dubious claim at best, like, for them to be able to hold that. I don't know. But, 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 this is, this is where, this is where it gets good and with AI and humanity. And this is, like, where the main fear comes from. I think this is, like, the core fear of it all. The core fear of it all. When they say this, uh, we deny that humans can or should cede our moral accountability or responsibilities to any form of AI uh, that will ever be created. Only humanity will be judged by God on the basis of our actions and that of the tools we create. <laughs> what I love about this is, is in, in essence, they're worried. They're somehow worried. that Someone's going to just let the robots do the sending for them, right? Like, oh, come on, people. We're too lazy to sin now. God's going to be angry at us if we sin, so let's just create robots to sin for us. Your soul is clean, bitches, right? Because remember, the conservative God is a God that needs someone to blame. I mean, no one wants to fill hell up with a bunch of robots. That's not fun, right? They kind of just go like, beep, 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 and then that's it. Like we want like eternal souls, eternal damnation. We want to know that people are suffering for their sins here. Listen, you're listening to a show right now called Snarky Faith. So take all of this with a heavy dose of sarcasm. But yes, <laughs> let the robots sin for you. That is one of the cruxes and the worries of conservatives when it comes to AI. Uh, uh, these guys. They know all your tricks. They know all your sinning tricks. They don't think you can go and get a robot to sin for you. Because then who's God going to blame? Come on. And, and what I begin to see in a lot of this is, is, I know they keep talking about AI, but a lot of this can, can still be said for just technological advances. Um, I, I feel like that, that when, when, when they're framing this argument about AI, it's kind of an uninformed argument. And in many ways, it's just about new technology. Like it's kind of this, I feel like it's a coverall for new technology that we don't understand yet, or that they don't understand, if that makes sense. Because, because what we begin to hop into here is when we talk about AI, article four in medicine, um, I feel like they start getting a little bit murky in, in their arguments here. Um, because they say, especially when it comes to medicine, that these advances should be guided by basic principles of medical ethics. Okay, sure. Including benevolence, um, now a non-malfeasance, autonomy, and justice, which are all consistent with the biblical principle of loving our neighbor. Because what? Like, how did you... Medical ethics and loving your neighbor? I mean, yeah, kind of, but like... I feel like they're really, really stretching to tie this into to faith here. And and here was the kicker that bothered me. And maybe I'm taking too much of a tangent on this. And, you know, we're just spending time here <laughs> picking this apart for the fun of it, just because it is fun. Uh, furthermore, we reject the materialist and consequentialist worldview that understands medical applications of AI as a means for improving, changing, or completing human beings. AI and technology should not improve human beings. Change human beings? Complete human beings? Now, I know this doesn't necessarily fit in the category of, of AI, but in a certain sense, 
you hear them saying this about technology. Like if you're if you're plugging and playing with this, because again, let's like hello pacemakers. I mean, when we make new medical advances and stuff like that too, are, are we sitting and going like, well, that's not that's not the heart that God gave them. Therefore, where's the heart they gave to Jesus? Like when we get to heaven's door and you've just got a pacemaker, God's going to say, what is this? I don't even know. <laughs> are you a robot? Robots go to hell. We've already covered this earlier. No, but I, I feel like, I feel like these are just really weird and dubious claims that they're kind of throwing in as, as a catch-all because we're using AI in many ways just to be able to monitor people's health, um, to be able to, to, to think for us in certain ways, um, and to be able to like, monitor our progress and monitor what we're doing. And, and that idea that medical applications of AI as a means of improving human beings like improving life or extending life. Well, you can make the argument that, well, you're born and we shouldn't do anything. That's like the whole Christian science view of things that crazy, like, uh, what was it? Jim Hansen folks that kind of are Christian scientists but have nothing to do with science. They kind of just rebuff all of that kind of stuff. I don't know. Um, so yes. Oh, as we're moving along here in the time, I want to make sure we keep moving. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, a lot of these claims, I, I feel like that they, they've kept them as vague as possible, um, especially ethically speaking. And and yeah, and yeah. I, I feel like the, yeah. When you, when you keep these vague, I also think that it keeps the power brokers or gives the power brokers the ability to kind of be able to wield power when they feel like it um, in these situations. And... And first of all, when I'm talking about them being vague, do I want them to have a more extensive nailed down document? No, I, I think this document is ridiculous in and of itself, mainly because I wish, I wish folks like this would spend more time focused on the real work of like Jesus in the world. And as opposed to like philosophizing and, and theologizing all of this because it makes people feel good about themselves or makes people that are the writers feel good about themselves or folks that can put their names on this. It makes them feel good about themselves and be able to tell their congregations, look what we did. And they're like, Oh my gosh, we're on the forefront. We are. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that it's an exercise that, that looks good, but it's really an exercise in futility. But the article you've been waiting for is article six sexuality. Okay. So, so just to know where they're coming at, which shouldn't be a surprise because again, Southern Baptist, conservatives, you know what a bunch of party animals these guys are. So they begin their sexuality section like this. We affirm the goodness of God's design for human sexuality, which prescribes the sexual union to be an exclusive relationship between a man and a woman in a lifelong covenant of marriage. There's an asterisk and a footnote, and it says Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's a really bad joke that they make that I just threw out here. No, that's not really in here at all. Uh, that's essentially what they're saying here. They're, they are taking yet another instance to be able to say, only between a man and a woman, we know how, where this goes. This is the only way it has to be. Okay. So they're not even getting into stuff uh, about, you know, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's just stick to the point here. Uh, then they continue saying that we deny the pursuit of sexual pleasure as a justification for the deployment or use of AI, and we condemn the objectification of humans that result from employing AI for sexual purposes. So seriously, folks, like, okay, okay, 
I know, I know when people, it says in the Bible, doesn't really even say this in the Bible, but the idea, the Christian ethic that you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. Apparently, they're really wanting to make sure that robots aren't your kind of get out of jail free card, right? Like, no robot sex here. We know we buried this right there in the middle. So you'd keep reading until this point because we want to make sure you're not going and fornicating with them robots. Thanks, Southern Baptist, for making this the centerpiece of your argument here. Yeah, yeah. And they finish saying, AI should not intrude upon or substitute for the biblical expression of sexuality between a husband and wife, according to God's design for human marriage. You know what that means? Sorry, folks. No robot threesomes. Oh, no. I know. You were looking for loopholes. And really, this is a document trying to close all those loopholes for sin. Oh, so many people out there were saying, AI, it is. It's going to let us be able to sin because we're just sinning with robots. And there's no robots in the Bible. Oh, God doesn't care. But don't worry. The Southern Baptists do not want you having fun in any capacity ever. Not even thinking about fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that... (laughs) That was the no robot sex area. I don't know why it made me laugh because it's just so ridiculous that they're also trying to use scripture to be able to justify this. But again, they just keep going back to that old well of that sex is supposed to be between a man and a woman. They're quoting scripture for that. Okay. Uh, so never, number seven, article. Uh, article seven, sorry. Uh, work. They begin this. I love this. We affirm that work is part of God's plan for human beings participating in the cultivation and stewardship of creation. I love they begin with this, but wait, hold a second. Halt. Let's just put on the brakes. Let's pump the brakes right now. Okay. Again, this is one of those things that, that I've noticed that conservatives do. They like to give lip service to things like taking care of creation, a.k.a. what that means, taking care of the earth, what we've been given here. And again, I mentioned this earlier as we were beginning to kind of dissect through all of this that, that I thought it was just, it was absolutely ridiculous that they are focusing so much on AI and not really on being able to care for the earth um, and what is happening with climate change, especially that conservatives are some of the, uh, the they have the highest percentage of climate change deniers um, that we have uh, of, of a group that, that they pull out there. So why does this happen? And I know this is somewhat of an aside, but I, know, I love how they had to throw this in here. Um, it comes down to this idea and the, the justification that they're trying to make here that, um, that essentially we need to work, we need to continue to, it was man's job to be able to cultivate and take care of creation, not robots. Um, but especially within the evangelical conservative view of all of that, um, they simply believe that in the end, uh, God's going to rapture all them good ones up and leave all the sinners on earth. Earth's going to burn and people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. So we're kind of, we were picking up on the seams earlier because, you know, it's no fun to send robots to hell. We really, uh, for the conservative ilk of folk uh, over there, they really enjoy the thought that people are going to hell. I think simply because they have they've put all these rules on their faith um, so many rules that it makes it so constrictive for them to actually be kind and loving one another that has made them bitter. And they live a bitter, sad life. And that bitter and sad life that is not filled with fun or joy or anything else like that, uh, it only makes sense to them 
as long as they know that there's a payoff in the end, right? So in the end, if they go to heaven and eventually have their party there, like Jesus parties, right? And everyone that really enjoyed life on earth uh, goes to hell. So that, that kind of, that's like a comfort. That's a comfort in there. That's kind of like the comfort food they've thrown in the middle of, of this article here. And, and the part that, that begins to get, get to me, especially when they're talking about work here, even more than the creation care part that they're totally ignoring, um, is when they say this, we deny that human worth and dignity is reducible to an individual's economic contributions to society alone. Now, uh, when you hear conservative Christians talk about folks that are on welfare systems or that get um, assistance from the government, they typically talk down about those, uh, th about, about those people. So again, they're saying here that, that people's value isn't isn't based on economic contributions alone, which is, this is nice that they're saying this here, but they don't really practice this. And as much as they are saying within this, and again, I feel like they end up blending technology, or maybe it's me that's blending technology in, in with all of this, because I know that they're worried about human dignity within this. But the things that, that they're really getting at here have happened and continue to happen, and we've been fine with it. Like, think about automation. Think about the Industrial Revolution, uh, where we've been able to take people out of certain jobs, or even just how technology changes, and people lose uh, lose jobs because they're, the skill that they were trained in has 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 gone the way of the dinosaurs. It, it's it's too old, and they haven't adapted to change. You know, a lot of this 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 adapting to change, this moving forward, is is one of the bedrocks of capitalism. And the sad thing is that. American Christianity has really become a reflection of capitalism. So, and especially these churches, these large churches, especially we have people that that sign on to this that are part of mega churches. Their, their mega church is 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 capitalism like personified. Like, look at our big building. Look at how much money we bring in. Look at how efficient we are in all of this. So, when they're really worried about human dignity, and they're worried about AI and all of this, it, it's kind of ridiculous because, again. In the end of the day, I honestly think that they're fine with materialism. They're fine with capitalism. They're fine with all of these things. But this just kind of sounds good. This kind of sounds good. So Article 8, and we'll, we'll kind of speed up here towards the end, but Article 8 is about data and privacy, which is just kind of stupid to begin with. But, but I, did, I, I, I did like the one thing that they said here. They said, while God knows all things, it is neither wise nor obligatory have everyone, every detail of one's life open to society. Meaning, keep your iCloud passwords locked down. We don't want any more flappings, folks. So yeah, so they're, again, about data collection practices and other bits of AI and, and things of like this to where they are, they're fearful of things that are actually already happening right now. And, and the biggest thing about in, instead of like saying that that AI can be deployed in ways that are inconsistent with God's love or loving of the neighbor of all this kind of stuff um, to in in data collection processes, I mean the one bigger thing they probably should be telling people is just to pay attention to what <laughs> the terms of service, um, folks. You don't usually read your Bibles. You just come here to church uh, on a Sunday to listen to me, the pastor, read you the Bible and tell you what I think about it, so you don't have to think about it. Um, and just in the same way that you use technology, and you do not use the, uh, the yes, the terms of service agreements that you sign and do not look at, 
So, yeah, I think the bigger thing that they should be telling people is to be more responsible <laughs> for their data, more responsible for what they're signing up for. And if big oopsies happen, it's kind of your fault. Don't rope God into this. Some of this is our own our own stupidity. And, hey, I will tell you this. I don't read terms of service all the time. So, yeah, and neither do you. But you're feel free to judge me. Uh, Article 9, security, security. Okay, so what they're getting at here what they are, are, are getting at within security, um, they are worried that when AI is deployed for like safety and security applications, that they can end up dehumanizing, depersonalizing, or harming human beings, right? Um, so they don't want AI to suppress free expression or other basic human rights granted by God to all human beings. Do you know what this really means? It means conservatives are pissed that they believe this fake idea that Twitter is censoring them. Now, again, I mentioned terms of service earlier that a lot of folks, a lot of their, their open free speech on these platforms are violating the terms of service. A lot of it ends up being hate speech or violent speech. Um, and even Trump, who had recently met with the founder of, of Twitter, who had said Twitter was censoring the conservative voices. No, no, no. All Trump finally learned was that, yeah, a lot of your followers that you don't have anymore, they were bots. They were not real. So, yeah, yeah. So we need to deploy AI because, come on, we want to make sure. I, yeah, this is really about Twitter and conservatives being paranoid that their voices that their voices are, are being muted online. And the, the, the truth of all of that simply is you do have the freedom of speech. You don't have the freedom from consequence for your speech. So say what you want to say, but when you get banned, when you get pushed off for saying things that are hateful and awful to people, that's on you. Don't blame AI for that. Don't blame AI for that. Um, then they go into this weird kind of weird, weird, weird. Um, it, it, I feel like it's not even a full like statement. It's kind of like a half idea where they begin to talk about you, the use of AI for war. And... And again, they end it with, of, I mean, with, with a very blanket statement. No nation or group has the right to use AI to carry out genocide, terrorism, torture, or other war crimes. Oh, <laughs> really? Really? Thank you guys for telling us this. Yes, yes, yes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, AI shouldn't murder people in their sleep. Uh, uh, why didn't we have that in there? AI should not kill kittens. Uh, that shouldn't be in there either. Uh, that should, should, I'm sorry, should be in there. Absolutely, because I'm, I'm pro-kitten. Um, no, but great, great. Uh, yes, I'm so glad the Southern Baptist Convention is anti-genocide because half the time when they talk about our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ crowd, it kind of sounds a little bit like terrorism, hate, torture, like almost like wet dreams of genocide. I don't know. Um, but again, in these policies, no, no, no. They say that uh, any lethal action conducted or substantially enabled by AI must employ human oversight or review. That's right. Again, going back to the Terminator, we need somebody to blame. At the end of the day, we need somebody to blame because if you blame a robot, it's really not that fun. You just pull his battery, turn him off. Oh, that really wasn't that much fun. Come on, guys. I wanted to hear someone crying or someone screaming or someone begging for mercy, someone kissing my feet or kissing the ring. Come on. Okay, sorry. Uh, I digress. But um, 
And then they move into they move into a really just kind of odd, odd area of public policy, um, talking about uh, even AI, AI even in highly advanced state should never be delegated, uh, should never be delegated the, the governing authority um, that has been granted by an all sovereign God to human beings alone. Like when I first wrote this, I just wrote a big fat question mark next to this, like kind of a what the hell. Oh, so in the future, we again. We're back to the overlords. So we do not, we do not want robot overlords. Robot overlords, bad. So we get this. Southern Baptist Convention, we get this. No robot overlords. I, I mean, I think that that's actually one of the few things that you believe uh, in your kind of conservative, like, wheelhouse that most people can agree with. Yeah, robot overlords, bad. Got it, got it, got it. You don't need to quote scripture at me to say that robot overlords are bad. Um, and then they finish with number 12 the future of AI and they want to remind us this God alone has the power to create life no future advancements in AI will usurp him as creator of life nothing nothing's taking God off this so anything that we create with AI it's just just remember that it's lesser than it's lesser than it's lesser than we deny they say this that AI will make us more or less human, or that AI will ever obtain a co-equal level of worth, dignity, value to the image bearers. See, conservatives are really good at, at putting hierarchies of things, especially within humanity. Like, if you believe this, you're good. If you believe this, you're bad, and you're going to hell, and you're sinful, and you're horrible, and everything else. But God loves you, but we're going to hate you here. Yeah. So... To end all of this, to end all of this, this weird, this weird, this weird, this weird uh, merry-go-round that I've done with this. One of the things that, that, that I brought this up was because I, I see things like this happen, especially within, within Christian scholarship. And I, I actually really want to call it, in many ways, this is like the wasted world of Christian scholarship, where we end up playing like philosophizing and playing, playing mental games to set up systems of control. And, and setting up systems of control are really what they do on their best day. Like on their worst day, this is like, this is a false attempt at trying to seem relevant and, and even intelligent. And, and I feel like these are things that people use to prop themselves up to feel good. Like I signed on to this. We were part of making this document. Oh my gosh, this is going to change everything. And we know it's not really going to change anything. What what will writing things like this, uh, conservative Christianity? What what will this what will this establish or change? I mean, for the folks that you're writing it to, like you did with your Nashville hatement, um, you're gonna have people agree with you. This one probably even less so because most people aren't gonna understand what you're really even talking about. Besides the fact that robots are bad and they're all gonna kill us, um, was well, this gonna establish or change anything? Not really. Like, is 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 this going to impact? Um, the world, the world of the teachings of Jesus. Is this going to change the world through compassion and love and grace? Uh, is this is this going to make the difference in really anybody's life? No, no. It's it's really the whole basis of all this is just to tell people to stay away from having sex with robots. And, I mean, I do hear that. I do hear that. And let me just reiterate this because that's really what they're getting at here is that stop even thinking about having sex with robots. Like, when it's available, don't even do it. Don't even think about doing it. Because guess what? Like, your salvation depends on it. Robots robots have no salvation. They have no, no soul. And when God damns robots to hell, 
he really gets no pleasure. Uh, the the cup of of anger and rage that runneth over that he has for humanity, it's you know, it doesn't do it for him when it comes to robots. It really doesn't. And and just the smell of, I mean, apparently, like from this viewpoint, God likes the smell of you know of of, of burning and torture and everything else like that too. And if you've ever like burnt anything plastic or, or metal it doesn't smell very good and so yeah those those i, I just really think that that this all comes down to their weird warped view <laughs> of who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell um and and that basis of who goes to heaven and who goes to hell is also comes down to the fact of of how we sin and how we control others and how we shame others and how we tell others that god loves them and god doesn't love you and none of this has to do with Jesus. I think that that's usually my point for most of the things we say on the show, that this, this, this is, is, is a total, this is a total side quest into nothingness, into nothingness, uh, once again by the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, in comparison to their Nashville statement, I, I will say that, that it, at this point in history, if, if, if your main goal is to shame and devalue robots, if you want to run down that road and quit shaming and devaluing humans, I I would I'll let you do that. I'll let you do that for a while until the robots start having feelings. But but yeah, if you want to focus your vitriol on the evil robot overlords that are coming in the future, please do that and and leave people alone. And instead, you should just really act more like Jesus and and focus on loving people, focus on elevating people and lifting people up and helping people and being a difference and being self-sacrificial and being non-judgmental and really just being loving and compassionate at all costs because that's really a Jesus-y thing, especially when you talk about things post-Easter. That's really it. That's the most Jesus-y thing that we can do is to go and be the good news to people that need good news. Because too often, the Southern Baptist Convention has had the market on giving uh, good news is really bad news and making people feel that they are unloved, they are devalued, and that God doesn't care about them. And I would rather them focus their statements on that to robots for the time being, for the time being. So that's all I've got this hour. And uh, as we end this broadcast, just a reminder that you can catch us on podcast at www.snarkyfaith.com. You can also catch us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Snarky Faith. But, but seriously, seriously, I know we do all this snar- snarkitizing um, during the hour, but uh, my hope for all of you is to go out and be, be love uh, and be compassion and be grace to people that, that need it. Uh, we live in a world that's hard. We live in a place with income inequality. We live in a place where people struggle for hope. Uh, go be the good news to people that need good news. And hopefully we can just let the conservatives uh, start picketing robots um, instead of abortion clinics or gay pride parades because they've forgotten in the midst of all of this how to love. And if you can't love pretty much makes them the robots that they fear. That's all I've got. I send you off this week with the holiest amount of grace and snark and peace. I'm out of here. See you guys next week. Peace!
WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.